Welcome to the Hopeful Influence podcast, a podcast talking about Christian leadership. My name is Matt, and with me we have Jude and Taria. Nice to see you guys. Hey, good to see you. Both doing okay? Yeah, doing well, doing well. Yeah, good coffee stuff. and pastry and yeah, all those things. Yeah. <laughs> a little insider to the podcast is every, every time we record, Jude goes and gets us some uh, coffee some pastries. Such a nice guy. So good. Such, such a great guy. Such a great this guy, guy knows Jesus. <laughs> and so we're, we're feeling uh, optimistic and fresh and feeling good. Uh, and so it's good to be with you guys. Nice to see you both. Uh, we've been on a bit of a journey so far, right? It's, it's, it's been enjoyable. And so I thought um, we're at a point where we've done a number of episodes and had a number of thoughts about things. Um, and so it might be good just for us to look at a bit of the big picture again, just uh, clarify what we're doing and where we're up to and and things like that, just to keep it fresh. And so, Jude, why, would you give us like a little yeah. overview? Would that be helpful? Yeah, just a, so a quick reminder. So uh, we've been thinking, we've been asking this sort of question really, what is um, Christian leadership and what are the sort of helpful ways of, of thinking about that? And we've particularly sort of zoomed in on this, this uh, what we're calling a sort of theological motive motif um a way of thinking about christian leadership and uh, we're, we're suggesting that a, a good way of thinking about christian leadership is to understand it as hopeful influence mm. what do we mean by that well it's about uh, it's sort of rooted in in, the, in a sort of kingdom of god kingdom theology uh, and so when we express christian leadership uh, as christian people joining in with this bigger movement of renewal that god is doing in the world there's a sense in which hopeful influence is when we when we help people to see uh, the kingdom, to see the kind of life uh, that could be possible um, under God. You know, the step forward, the next step. Uh, you know, it's that, that vision, that God-shaped vision of the future. So we're helping people to see the kingdom. Uh, number one, we're helping people to participate uh, in the kingdom's advance, uh, point two. So helping others to join in, to play their part in, in making that a reality. You know, as the Holy Spirit um, moves within the world. Uh, in a sense that the, the Spirit of God is drawing us, uh, drawing all of creation back uh, to the Father. And, and, and as we journey, to, as we move uh, uh, towards God, uh, we're moving towards the world as it should be. And, and the Spirit of God is this, um, uh, you know, the, the person, the gift um, uh, that's sort of at work in the life of Christians to make that uh, a reality. So we're, number one, we're helping people to see the kingdom. Number two, we're helping people to participate in its advance. And number three is we go on that journey. Uh, in faith, we want to say that we're helping people to ex- one another aspect of hopeful influence is when we help other when we help people to experience the kingdom's advance for themselves. So you know, Jesus talks about fullness of life, doesn't he? And the sense that as we move forward, we're not flogging ourselves, we're not you know just thrashing ourselves on this sort of yeah, this this exhausting human project. Um, that actually, as we move closer towards the world as it should be. Uh, there's a sense in which we should be experiencing uh, the goodness of God in tangible ways, experiencing the goodness of God expressed in our, in, in our reshaped human communities, experiencing the goodness of God in a, in a, in a, more, in a better stewarded world uh, that, we, that we live in. So um, Christian leadership is hopeful influence. That's what we're suggesting is, is well understood uh, as hopeful influence and in that hopeful influence happens when we help people to see the kingdom participate in, in its advance and experience uh, that kingdom more fully for themselves and, uh, and and last time we talked about 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 hopeful influence as expressed within the church 
And one of our takeaways from that session was saying that, that, that the church, the, the gathered church at least, uh, uh, is, it should, needs to be a place where we are, you know, it's, it's a sort of, it's, it's a nurturing, cultivating environment. Uh, for for people of hopeful influence as a Christians, you know, to, to send out into the world, uh, to, to to you know, resourced uh, to express that kind of influence, that kind of kingdom influence in the different spheres within which they find themselves. Uh, and today we're thinking particularly about the, the sort of the political sphere, and you know, in a sense, we're all called to, to contribute to the common good. We're all called to participate in that broader narrative around uh, discussion around what life should look like in that sense we're all called to be political and for some of us that will have very specific outworkings and for other of us it's just you know it's how we vote it's how we you know play a role within our local uh, community or what have you but there's a political dimension uh, to that and, and, and that I think is what we're looking at today. Brilliant so we kind of like are going to start talking, and we did this last episode, but we're starting to talk more specifically about certain areas of life, certain parts of life. And we'll have different experiences, which are great to talk through. And different um, our different experiences mean we we have different levels of involvement. And so for some of us, like me, might say, I have very little experience in this topic. I don't, I have no idea what I'm talking about this <laughs> week in this week's program. But we're we're talking together, looking at how we can learn from each other, how we can grow from each other. And just because I may not have had any experience before doesn't mean I opt out. But it's it's about opting in, isn't it? And uh, we're gonna talk a little bit more about that. But Saria, you, you have some experience of this in a a job that you've had recently and some experiences from that. And so we would love to just hear some of your uh, story from that and from your time doing that sure absolutely yeah so um i just come out of a job with just love which was incredible um i remember leaving that job feeling so fired up for social justice um and just love is a national charity so a lot of the things i was doing was thinking about the uk generally um so i really just wanted to narrow my focus and be a blessing to the local community so that was my kind of vision for where i wanted to go post just love um, and I thought a good way to do that would be to get involved in local politics uh, and a job opened up with the local government doing social media for that. Um, and I, yeah, so a lot of the role that I was doing was helping Liverpool citizens uh, see through a window, I guess, into the local government. Um, so in many ways, I got really quickly an overview of everything that was going on um, and yeah, trying to figure out creative ways to showcase different aspects of local government and um, share opportunities with how people could get involved with that. Um, and in my first few weeks, <laughs> I did enjoy it. It was good. I was like, okay, yeah, I love creating. I love thinking creatively about how to get people involved. Um, but I think after that period, I started to feel a bit weighed down by the culture in local government. Um, I thought, in some at some points it was quite toxic and it was a bit of a bullying culture and while I think there were people who were really there to see change happen to to make things happen in uh, local society um, there was also a lot of uh, political ambition and people in it for their own gain and as a Christian I just found that really difficult trying to to be there to have resilience to yeah, I'd be, I guess be Christ in that, in that arena where it felt like everyone else was walking or had like a vision going in a different direction. 
Um, and yeah, I, I think just the longer it went on, I was working there, I just found it more and more difficult and it took a massive toll on my mental health. Um, just started to get really sick and then had to weigh up, like, is it worth carrying on in this job or actually do I need to take some time out? Um, yeah, so it was, it was quite a tricky, <laughs> challenging one, but it really made me think about yeah, those, those really passionate and fired up people going into politics and how actually it's a lot more challenging than you think when the structures are almost uh, set up to be unbreakable and you're just trying to plod along every day, not seeing many wins. Um, and, and yeah, how to have that sustenance in that kind of environment. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of glad I had that experience at the same time though because it's just really insightful and I learned a lot about myself, resilience and God, but tricky at the same time <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I was going to ask you that i mean there's so much i sort of want to ask you about that and i think that um, i mean clearly there's there, there there's in that particular uh, situation that there's nuance to you know the people involved and the particular role you had and so um you know there's, there's particularities to that but clearly there, i suspect there'd be all sorts of folks potentially who could listen to this who 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 would resonate with 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 something of what you're saying, and and so just to sort of dip into some of those big big thoughts. I mean, you talk there about resilience, and you know when you, you know when you want to see movement forward, and when you're longing to see to participate well, you know to help others participate well, but then you're you're, you're struggling to, to for, for that to land, to get traction, to see that being worked out in your context. What what does resilience look like? For you, as a Christian person, how do you how did you nurture yourself? I mean, we'll talk about outcomes and, and where that went in a bit. But just just how how do, how do you where's the wellspring of of, yeah. of how do you keep going and keep walking forward? Great question. I think for me, it was trying to have a good rhythm of work and rest. I found that really tricky actually within that working environment because often people are just giving of themselves time and time again and there isn't much emphasis on the importance of rest, but I really try and put that in place, have Sabbath days, make sure that I was switching off my phone post-work so I couldn't be contacted. And I was just, yeah, trying to give myself spaces where I could rest and fully connect with God. Um, and I think also prayer was a really important thing, particularly when, you know, the terrorist attack happened in Liverpool. So I was still working in the local government then. Um, and I found that it was so helpful for me to just pray every day, invite God into um, local government and just say, God, like, have your way with the decisions that we're making here because it really impacts lives. Um, and it's really important that we respond well to these attacks and uh, unify the people in Liverpool. Um, so yeah, for, for me, resilience in that moment was just seeking God, praying, inviting him into the center of that, um, and just covering that environment with, with God and the spirit. I, I guess some, some folks would say, and, and I mean, this is where you're sort of in, into culture and, and there's something about our, I don't know, sort of, um, <clears throat> the way the sort of, um, aspects of our capitalist culture spills out into different areas of life. But, but some folks would say that, you know, the, the resilience comes from knowing that, you know, you're, you're, you're getting paid and, and, and that you're on a maybe a career progression where you're going to get paid more in the future and, you know, some things you just, you just suck it up and keep going because there's, you know, you, there's going to be more financial reward in it for you uh, as you move forward. And, you know, whether we verbalise it like that or not, I, I suspect there's a bit of that for, for, for you know, that's part of our, our the culture in, in, in working environments uh, just generally. So... Um, do you, would you, you know, how, 
can you, I guess, first question is, can you relate to that? And then secondly, you know, what other sort of sources of, of sort of sustenance and, you know, the reason to go in in the morning when it's like when you're hacked off and that relationship's not working or, um, you know, you're not able to, to see the thing you're wanting to see. You know, the, the, talk about the motivation and how you kind sure. of keep going. Yeah, definitely. I think it was interesting because my colleagues actually picked up on how I was working in a very different way to, they, to them. So I even had a conversation with my manager about finances and about how money is my, my, the reason that I'm here. And um, yeah, that my motivation is more for God and seeing change for people. And it really struck a chord with them because I think, as you say, Jude, a lot of them are happy to have that resilience or happy to, to go above and beyond because they know that they can get the promotion at the end of the day. Whereas for me, I just didn't have that in my in my view of life. Um, so they had a lot of questions for me like, oh, but why? Why don't you care about that? Um, and so it was a real privilege to be able to share some of my values on that. Um, and then just in terms of getting up and going in when I was just feeling hacked off or tired, just at the end of the day, having God as my, my reason for doing that um, and knowing that God had called me to that place for a time um, and a season, so I wanted to to honour that and be a blessing as much as I, I could, even though I was tired and feeling it. Um, yeah, and I think sometimes God does call us to the valleys or difficult places to shape us, to shape our characters. And I really do believe that at that period of time, there was something that he wanted me to learn. I don't know 100% yet what that is, but um, yeah, I just trust that that God has shaped me and also helped to shape the culture uh, for that time that I was there. I, well, I, I was going to say, um, <clears throat> just running with the resilience question. So we, you know, we, we're longing to see, we have a bit of a vision for the world as it could be rather than the world as it is. And we get some sense of our, our the role that we could play in, in the participation of that and how we can work with others to participate in that. We might not see the traction that we, we want. And so we, we have to dig in. We have to keep going. Um, but presumably at some point, uh, there's, there's a wisdom question around, well, how, how much, how long can I keep going with this? Am I in the right place? You know, I mean, I, mean, I, you know, I, I think I, I, I probably, it's a weakness actually, that I could probably be a bit stoic sometimes. And I'm just going to keep on going. You know, I'm just going to... Now, there's a place for that. Perseverance, resilience, you know, there's, there's godliness within that. But then there's also wisdom to say, well, gosh, maybe this isn't quite... Maybe I'm better in another... In maybe God wants me. How do, how, do, how do you work that one out? Yeah, so tough. Comes down to prayer, seeking God, seeking wisdom from people around you and saying, do you think that my gifts actually align with the current context that I'm in? Um, but also for me personally, I was getting married in a few months. I had a lot of wedding planning to do and uh, some family issues that cropped up. So looking at the context of my general life, it didn't make sense to be pouring myself out in this particular area when there were so many other things in my life that demanded my attention. So I think it's also a wisdom of what else is going on in your life. Is it that God knows that you have the capacity to give to this certain area? Or actually, is God saying that there are other priorities that you need to give to? So for me, at that period of time, it made a lot of sense. And from what my friends and family were saying, it made a lot of sense for me to step out of that place to invest in more important things. Um, 
And what but was yeah. that moment like? Did you did you have was it a moment of revelation? Was it was it just a peace? Yeah. How did that play? Yeah, definitely some peace. And I had <laughs> I prayed to God and I said, God, if this is right, can you just take me out of this um, place? And the next day, I think it was my manager who called me into the office and said, we just need to chat about your role and chat about how you're doing. And then the opportunity presented itself for me to just open up about how I was feeling. Um, and they were saying, yeah, we just noticed that you change, you just look a bit more, I don't know, you just don't seem to be yourself. Is this the right role for you? So I think um, if it is right, God will make that way quite clear, or at least he did for me. So, yeah. Sometimes I guess we have a, convi a conviction within ourselves that doesn't really make much sense. So you can't really like um, place it or know what it is, but you just know it's something of God. And so you need to like, you might need to sit on it and not be rash with your decision, but you you kind of know because it's like a gut feeling, isn't it? You've got something deep down that God's given you that you think, no, this isn't right. And I can definitely resonate with times in my life when I thought, that. I know this isn't right and I'm very firm on that, but that doesn't mean I should move quickly on that decision and maybe just kind of stew on that. And and there will be a time when you then move and, and make that um, decision, but... But God is good, isn't he? <laughs> and he yeah, does yeah, work yeah, things for, sure. for your good. But in the moment, it doesn't feel like that very often, does it? But it does It does work out like that, doesn't it, in our lives? So good, so helpful. I, to, I mean, thank you so much for sharing that, Taylor. Yeah. I, I mean, really personal experience, clearly, for you. So kind of Just wrestled with it. Um, Matt, one of the things we said at the beginning, wasn't it, yeah. is that there's a sense in which, um, as we think about hopeful influence being expressed in the political environment there, there are clearly some of us who, who are occupying particular roles and he's obviously shared a little bit about that but there's also in the general sense this is something for every christian person and um i'm right i think we're gonna uh, andy flanagan's got some stuff he can help us with that yes yeah, so you had a conversation with andy flanagan and he is the executive director of christians in politics and in that conversation he gave really helpful uh, tips for all of us and how all of us can get involved and so we're going to have a listen to that uh, and then we're going to uh, come back and talk about what we've heard so I'm delighted to have Andy Flanagan uh, with me today. Uh, we're talking about hopeful influence uh, in politics. Andy's the uh, executive director at Christians in Politics. Andy, great, great to see you. Um, uh, tell us a bit about your role and uh, about what uh, leadership looks like for you. Uh, it's good to see you, Jude. It's good to see anybody during this season, isn't it? <laughs> but it's really good to see you, sir. And uh, it's, oh, it's the most it's just such a privilege to do what I'm doing and to be connected to people who are on the front lines of doing this right at this season, especially, you know, local councillors, MPs, um, people who I think in seasons like this, um, the easiest way to describe it is that there are so many questions that all of us have in society that actually fall between the usual agencies that, you know, is that a social services question? Is that a council question? Is that a government question? Is that a police question? Is that an education question? And, and at times like this, when, when so many things fall in those gaps, that's when MPs and councillors get an awful lot of trade at their door. A lot of people inquiring to their surgeries, so many of the MPs that I know, um, are, are just inundated in ways that you wouldn't expect with, you know, obviously we know the huge needs from the really, you know, the heartbreaking situations that we're seeing here, there and everywhere, whether that's actually, you know, health situations or whether that's families being split up or whether that's 
uh, families being split up across countries, whether that's folks who are in real economic hardship. Um, you know, there are our, our elected representatives are on the front lines of this stuff um, uh, too, and, and having to do an awful lot more interacting with people than probably a lot of us would be comfortable with. And um, two, so yeah, they really need our prayers, and it's a, yeah, it's a privilege to be in the role that I'm in, uh, trying to connect and help and resource and support the folks in those roles. Christians in politics. To get back to your original question, is uh, my role at Christians in politics. We are there to resource and support and network uh, Christians who are getting involved in politics, who are getting actively engaged in politics, not just sadly doing the thing that we've done as Christians for many years, which is just throwing stones from the sidelines, just sending the emails, just sending the petitions, but to actually get relationally involved in a way that probably costs us something uh, to our comfort and uh, to get involved with people who we won't necessarily agree with on everything, but to be there and to try and be salt and light in the midst of, of political context. So we're unashamedly calling people to get involved, but as they get involved, we're, we're calling people to, uh, to disagree well, and to have open hearts and to put kingdom before tribe, as we as we put it, uh, you know that we are uh, our primary allegiance is to another king. And uh, we often talk about you know it's important to be part of a tribe, uh, to influence that tribe unashamedly. But it's really important to not lose your identity to the tribe, and that's sadly what we see you know happening all too often. Um, that actually our primary allegiance is to another king, and we don't subsume our identity, and therefore our interactions on social media. Uh, we, we stop and we take a breath and, and we stop and go right okay I wonder what the right you know you know the right answer is in this situation um, I wonder could we consult some ancient scripture could we consult some ancient wisdom could we stop and maybe even pray or do we just respond quickly with the knee-jerk tribal reaction of our tribe um, you know because we do you know we're, we're more and more siloed into those tribes because of social media because of the algorithms feeding the, the more extreme versions of what we think back to us to try and sell it to us and, and so, um, uh, yeah, more and more we're, um, especially during the Brexit referendum and, and since, we've been desperately trying to call people together, mostly in person, but now also online, uh, to learn to love one another and disagree well. And it's a beautiful thing when you see it happening. It's incredible. We had an event in uh, High Wycombe uh, not that long ago where folks who had been vehemently opposed, you know, campaigning against one another, um, and uh, very, whether it was Brexit, whether it was the general election, but actually, you know, apologizing and confessing and being in tears with one another uh, in a way that, you know, it's a story that, the, that you're never going to see on the mainstream media. Um, but it's a, it's a beautiful thing to watch. So, yeah, it's a privilege to do what I do. Mate, it's so encouraging. And uh, I know you're just doing a fantastic job on all sorts of fronts there. Um, the, um, one of the things you talk about in, um, in the book, Hopeful Influence, you talk about... Um, the sense in which sort of, uh, you know, every Christian is called to sort of join in with God's renewal of the world, making things right. And that, that sort of unavoidably has a political dimension to it. And, you know, for many Christians, maybe we're a bit, you know, apathetic when it comes to engaging with politics or can easily get pulled into some of that partisan uh, stuff. What would you, um, yeah, what, what, what is this? Do you want to sort of share with us a few thoughts about why Christians are called to, why Christians are unavoidably called into some kind of political engagement and how does that resonate with this hopeful influence stuff that we're talking about? Yeah well I think on a, on a micro level um, one of the easiest uh, ways of describing it is you know when Jesus said love your neighbor as yourself he was being he's been pretty specific and we also kind of we would kind of drive over that 
um, that phrase because it gets calling us to love people. We don't actually think about what he said. He said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So the inevitable question is, well, how do you love yourself? Um, and the, the truth is that we love ourselves with a whole variety of processes and mechanisms to keep the show of life on the road. So, uh, you know, we love ourselves by cleaning our teeth, by making sure we have a national insurance number, by trying, hopefully, to get a roof over our heads, and, you know, to try and eat healthily, um, to try and make sure that we, you know, try and make sure that we're in healthy relationships with those around us. We, there are a whole set of things that we do to love ourselves. And then, so when Jesus says to love your neighbor as you love yourself, then the, <clears throat> the unavoidable implication is that we are called to care about those practical things in the lives of our neighbors as well. So, you know, I think of my neighbor, Frank, when we lived on the, uh, on the Dogginson Grove estate in London, um, our immediate neighbor was a wonderful guy called Frank. And, uh, and you know, quite literally, we felt very called to love our neighbor and he's still a dear friend now. Uh, he's like, a, like like the governor of the block. You know, we've been there for 50 years. And um, But, you know, to love Frank, to just sort of send him warm, fuzzy feelings and to pray that he would become a Christian, didn't really, you know, that, those are things that we did. <laughs> and we talked to him and he, he came to our daughter's baptism at our church and it was a beautiful thing. But, um, you know, to care and to love our neighbor without also caring about whether or not he could get up and down the stairs to the third floor, without caring about whether or not he had access to a GP surgery to get his knee seen to and then access to a hospital uh, to get an operation and get a new knee fitted in that knee to get uh, to have a local police force that would actually enable him to you know get some uh, protection from the from the youths who were annoying his door you know to have uh, to get a local transport system that would allow him to get his shopping every day to have those things operational was to love our neighbor to make sure as we love ourselves to make sure the kind of the, the in the holistic sense that the life is ticking over and going on and it is full um, rather than a shrunken a shrunken a shrunk, a shrunk idea of what the kingdom is and what love is um, to love him as we loved ourselves and and that was you know that's very that's a micro example of why you know Jesus call to be involved with him in the renewal of all things as you said you know that he is in this incredible story of creation he is redeeming restoring and reconciling all things to himself um, you know, so in the micro, we are realizing that to uh, to love Frank, we have to get political. We can't just love him in a vacuum. We have to we have to love him in the context of the, of where he sits. And so, you know, to, to just be loving somebody and saying, yeah, but but you're being persecuted. Oh, yeah, but you can't get a job because the economy is failing. You know, there, there are you can't you can't just ignore somebody. No, we're just going to love the inside of you. You know, it it just doesn't make any sense. You've got to love somebody in the context. You've got to care about the context and care about the person. Um, and we know that's true. That's how we would do it if we were just talking to a friend and our family. We wouldn't just, you know, concentrate on the internal and, and ignore the external. We wouldn't do that. And so loving our neighbor as ourselves means concentrating on the, the internal and the external. So it's, it's, a, it's just as simple as that. It's not because we think politics is this great and mighty thing that needs to be worshipped and is more important than anything else. It just means if we love people, we've got to care about politics. And, and so when people say to me, you know, Andy, I don't, I don't, yeah, I just can't get with politics. They're all the same. You know, I really don't care about politics. I will sort of quietly ask them, yeah, but, you know, do you care about people? I think you do. And if you do care about people, then you've got to, you've got to care about politics. You simply have to. Um, and on a macro level, um, that wonderful story of the redemption, reconciliation and restoration of all things that we are called to be part of, that, that Colossians 1 thing of all things under him, all things through him, all things for him, 
Um, you know, that, it's, it's impossible to think of the whole of creation being transformed and redeemed. You know, we're told that all of creation will be restored and redeemed in the way, you know, that Jesus' resurrection, he was the first fruits of this new creation and all creation similarly will be transformed, the new heavens and the new earth, the new creation. And so that involves all the systems and structures of life as well as what's going on just inside us. That, that, that's the totality of everything being transformed. And so we're longing for such systems and structures to be transformed. We're longing for taxation to be fairer. We're longing for systems that support parents to be better. You know, we, we're longing for things to be better. That's God's heart expressed all the way through the Old Testament, whether we're talking about Jubilee or Sabbath, that actually he's not just saying, oh, get your hearts sorted out. He's saying live well together. And, and here are some guidelines as to how you can live well together. So God obviously cares about this macro stuff as well as this external stuff, as well as the internal stuff. So in short, we care about it because God does. Um, and, uh, you know, somebody who you'll know well uh, from his history in Liverpool, um, uh, you know, the right uh, David Shepherd, famously, you know, the, the, the bishop who also famously played cricket for England, um, his famous book, Bias to the Poor, you know, which was this kind of grappling with whether or not um, uh, God had this innate bias to the poor, um, this innate kind of care about structural injustice and justice. And, and so, so, I don't know, people can land on either side of that theological divide, but at the end of the day, I, I would end up saying something along the lines of um, that through the whole of Scripture, we see that God is the God of the underdog that he is the one who chooses the least impressive tribe, who chooses the 14-year-old woman to bear his son, who chooses uh, Gideon, who chooses Joseph, who chooses Moses, who chooses the least impressive, who chooses, chooses those who are the underdogs in so many situations and shows that he is on the side of the underdog. And, and it's not, and I'm not sure I would describe that as a bias to the poor, a bias to the underdog. I would just say that because he has to be on their side because we're not, <laughs> Yeah. Somebody, you know, that, you know, that he sees what's going on. He sees our selfishness. He sees that inevitably power is trickling up to the powerful and the wealthy. He sees that without um, those structures and systems in place, that actually, you know, basically we become more selfish, and selfish people become find cleverer ways of accumulating selfish power and selfish wealth. And we all do that. We're not just talking about, you know, we're not talking about billionaires and yachts here. We're talking about all of us that we're all protective yeah. and securing what we have rather than sharing what we have. And and, you know, I, I would put it that, that, that God has to be that way because he sees how we are and he knows that somebody has to be on their side. Oh, so we, we just try to follow him in that. It's yeah. not that he's, uh, he, he has favoritism. I think he loves everybody the same. But actually there is this, there's this crucial thing that he knows us <laughs> and he knows our selfishness. And so he knows in which direction we need a nudge. Andy, it's so challenging. It's so good. It's yeah. so good. The, listen, just just to close. Sorry, up, I could go on all day. I'm sorry. No, it's great. It's, it's great. great. I'll just keep going. I'm sorry. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. There's, so there's a work to do. There's a work to do to enlarge our vision for the kind of world that God wants us to inhabit and what it looks like to uh, be political people under God uh, in the world. Mm. What would you say about just very briefly the sort of the influence bit of that? I mean, how can we be sharpening our influence together sharpening our our sort of small scale expressions of leadership in the everyday how can we be uh, helping other people to to play their part in this sort of bigger movement of redemption uh, politically well, with, uh, with a political sort of angle I think if, if people are wanting to think about influence and how to be influential i i think you know there's a, this guy called jude padfield who's just written this book called hopeful influence and i would point people in the direction of that because it's uh 
really it's a really impressive read and very significant. <laughs> Too generous. I'm, I'm, I'm only, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm jesting for fun, but I'm actually serious as well. It's really good to read it, people. Um, and because it's that, it's that, that, that's, that, that idea of influence in, in, at the heart of the book is really key. That as a church, I think we've got some great ideas. I think we've got some great stuff to share. I think we've got some great modeling. I think we've got some great thinking. I think we've got a lot of our thinking fairly right. And um, what we don't have is relationships where it matters to see those ideas be influential. And we still have a natural tendency to just hang out with people who are like us and who we like. And we don't do the hard yards of building relationships, as I said earlier, with those with whom we may disagree on many things, but with whom we can find some common cause. And all the Christians who are involved in all the different political parties always have some serious challenges and have to grit their teeth and you know, sort of close their eyes at times. But but, but they see the fruit of being involved with people they can find, they find really surprising, sometimes common cause with people that they wouldn't normally think they could find common cause with. And that's, and that's so that same thing applies to those who are getting involved in economics, those who are getting involved in the civil service, yeah. those who are getting involved in academia. You know, there, there is a world to be involved in, to be influential in, but so often some of the great stuff that the church does and the, the church researches and the church thinks through just, just gets shoved around and passed around within our walls rather than out in the, in, in the breadth of creation as it's meant to be. It's there and it's meant to be salt and light and we are meant to be salt and light. And so it's not a messaging gap. You know, the church and, and church's agent and parachurch agencies spend a lot of time trying to improve our messaging, trying to look a bit cooler, trying to do slicker right, videos. Right. But actually, it's not a messaging gap. It's, it's a relationship gap. That's yeah. the problem that we have. We're, we're, not, we're not integrated. We just aren't in, in, in the way that we live. Our natural instinct is to set up a Christian version of something rather yeah. than actually be involved in, in, in the systems and structures that are already there um, and to be influential in the midst of it and to be salt and light in the midst of it. It's a relationship gap. So what we're simply calling people to in Christians politics is just to, to find that next relationship that yeah. God's calling you to. It'll just be maybe one person that you seem to have favor with in a locality. Maybe it's the local councillor. Maybe be proactive and get in touch with somebody, but to see if there's favor there. And so many of our folks who have been drawn into politics, it's been relationships. It's not been sitting behind a laptop going, oh, should I be with this party? Should I be with right. like this party? It's been like praying and saying, right, God, who, who's the person of peace? Who's the person in a local council or a local context or a local political party where I'm, I'm getting drawn into relationship here. And that's by relationship is how often people are drawn in. So who, who's that next person? So if you're thinking about influence, we often sit and we think and we strategize, especially when people are students, they do this all the time. <laughs> you, know, you do a lot of work with students up there, I know. And the tendency is that, you know, we sit around in groups going, oh, but what's the best way to change the world? Is it that, oh, we really should be involved in research because that's where everything starts. Oh, no, but we need to be involved in the grassroots. Oh, no, we need to be political candidates because that's where the real influence happens. And, you know, or, or, you know, we need to just be praying. We need to be the intercessors. We need to be the, and, you know, the answer is all of the above. But sadly, we spend so much time trying to decide between them and trying to trade yeah. them off against each other. Um, that we paralyze ourselves and don't actually get on and, and stop and listen to God and see which maybe one or two of those things that he's calling us into. Because the answer is all of the above. Um, and it's so, so helpful. Relational, so helpful. Well, thing. It's a great, that's a great word, certainly for some of our, our students at St. James. I love it. And it's been really inspiring. And just I, I'm taking away this sense of which, um, you know, our, our leadership, our influence on others. Um, and, and it's and it's most fundamental is through relationship. And when we try and shortcut that or navigate over that, we miss uh, the essence of what um, our leadership and our influence can be. So, mate, hugely challenging, uh, very inspiring. Thank you so much. Bless you, Jude.
Brilliant. Welcome back. It, that was so encouraging for Andy, wasn't it? You, you mm. can just feel like he has such a, a passion and a, I don't know, he's such a catalyst for just uh, moving people forward and helping people step into uh, things. Really great chat with him. I wonder if there's anything we're stewing on from that chat that we could um, just kind of flesh out and kind of get people and get ourselves thinking about as a group. See, is there anything that you were thinking about from mm. that? Yeah, I think it, it was so helpful in, again, just showing that we all have, I guess, a moral imperative to engage in politics. It's not just for a specific group of people who are passionate about politics. But I love what he was saying, you know, with the loving, loving your neighbour as yourself and how we love ourselves with a number of processes. And, um, yeah, we care about the practical things in our lives where we can get access to services and... Um, yeah, like transport, we all have conversations with people about that, we all care about that. But actually, we need to be caring about those practical things in the lives of our neighbours. Um, and I just found that so, so helpful that actually me engaging politically will end up blessing my, my neighbour. Um, and so, yeah, I guess it's just that fresh vision, that fresh um, imperative to go and <laughs> actually use my vote and think about things politically because none of us have an opt-out option if we're Christian. I guess for me something that relates to that and I was thinking about was sometimes I think about politics like I probably came into this room today thinking oh I don't really want to talk about Boris Johnson do you know what I mean like because <laughs> yeah. that's my I don't have any experience like I don't have any thoughts about it really I, I have disengaged because I just see the big picture thing not big picture but big headline things that are on like tabloid newspapers or whatever and just I just switch off from it because I'm just because it just feels corrupt or I just don't want to be involved and I don't know what I can do about it but what Andy was sharing was what I can do about it is simply love my neighbor uh, as myself and so what does it look like for me to love myself oh that's how I can engage in helping others and so for me it's not what is Boris Johnson doing but it for me is what is your neighbor's name Matt and that is a much more pressing issue in my life that I can get involved with because forget what I do saying about like taking them to the doctors and getting it I don't have any of that relationship if I if I don't even know their name and so that's that's a plate a stepping stone for me to get involved with and something for me to start engaging with and maybe it's to um reset my sights on not what the big tabloid um news is but what is around me and what is going on around me maybe i love that really um really encouraging matt and they used that that local awareness and 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 seeing things almost through well what is that political lens and it doesn't have to be as you say, the, the, the headline, um, but our political ends, it can be local, can be personal, should be personal. I love it. And I, I think that, that's, that's pretty much the same thing that's resonating for me as well, I think. And I think we're going to go on um, in another uh, podcast to, to think about specifically practical ways in which we're sort of trying to engage with that as a church community and, and within the city. But I, I think for me, the, um, you know, I, uh, I, I, I sort of feel the challenge you know, of some of where Andy was landing 
uh, in what he shared there. And I, you know, our local, I know our local councillor. You know, I say hello to him when I see him out on his bike, and you know, in the Tesco's or whatever. And um, and, and I, I have dialogued with him over the ten years or whatever that um, you know I've been living in in this particular patch. Um, but I, I, I think I, I, I'm challenged because that relationship isn't what it could be, and uh, you know, and, and for, you know, I, I occupy a role as as vicar, um, you know, a public role, uh, which um, gives me the opportunity to facilitate con- a politi- local political conversation. Um, that that could be happening that I have I have to confess I, that, that you know I'm I'm not playing as adequate a role I think in helping to broker some of that conversations and you know we go through seasons and there's moments where that is happening or more or less or whatever but I think at this particular moment I'm I'm just aware that there is a you know that I could be doing more and I think about the you know we've got a number of folks within our congregation who are members of the local Labour Party or you sort of engaged in some extent in local politics and but there's real opportunity to gather. You know, it, it, one of our roles as church is we, we can gather folks and we can we can help people think theologically together um, about how their participation, you know, resonates with this vision of the kingdom that we have. We can invest, we can make space for relationships to be formed and invested in. You know, I'd really love our, our, our local councillor to, to, to come in, and he would, I'm sure, just have got to ask him. You know, come in and have a conversation with with our folks, some of our folks about how we can serve some of the things. And we're all, you know, we're running food banks and doing different things in our community. Great, but to hear from him, you know, what, what are some of the things? How can we partner? You know, how can we support? Come alongside and uh, and, and strengthen that that particular relationship or relationships that are, that, that are connected within that. So. Yeah, challenged by that ongoing. Yeah, with what's the next? I think Andy's afraid. What's the next relationship? What's the next relationship we could be seeking out, investing in, looking for opportunity uh, around? So, yeah, yeah, encouraged, excited, challenged. All the all yes. of the above. All <laughs> of the above. It's so good. And I wonder, like, for people, for like the listener here, I wonder that question for us is, like, what is our next step? We we all have a next step. We all have a step forward and it may not be the same next step as our next step. Um, and so it's it's about what does this actually mean for me? What does this look like? What does it look like for me to be a hopeful influence in this area? And so our next podcast, so we're actually going to do a bit of a two-parter on politics. Um, and so we're going to look at some more practical steps uh, taken uh, by, by people around us, people further away. And so uh, that's really exciting. But until then, I wonder if T, you could you could pray for us as we as we come into land and we start to stew on some of these things and what it means mm. for us. Would that be okay? Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray. Um, yeah, Jesus, we thank you so much for this conversation, for the things that we're stewing on and buzzing about. Um, and Lord, for the listeners as well, would would there be some specific key takeaways for all of us that we would be able to implement in our lives? Um, would we? see politics as as a tool for change lord to bless our our local neighbors god and um yeah would you just be at the the front and center of our political decisions we thank you for this podcast for how you're moving um and yeah just pray that you would bless us as we finish our conversation amen amen amen